Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Elise Russell. Elise is the founder and executive director of Puff Cat Rescue Incorporated, a recently launched grassroots rescue with an ambition to grow into a nationwide rescue network. They are dedicated to solving community cat overpopulation, not only by participating in TNR and foster care, but by preparing seminars and workshops designed to engage communities and get involved in the effort. Puff, or Paws Up for Felines, is a small but mighty initiative born out of the Instagram rescue community. Puff is designed to make connections with rescues across the country and increase rescue accessibility to underserved areas, while also making a local impact and encouraging others to do the same in their communities. Outside of Puff, Elise works in the mental health field with underprivileged people and is working towards certification as a humane education specialist and spends her nights watching HGTV marathons with her husband and her two cats, Chloe and Belle. Elise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So before we jump into details about Puff, tell us a bit, how did you become a fan of felines? Well, I think that probably plays out a pretty common way for most of your guests. You know, I grew up having cats in my house and I just, I fell in love with them from the get-go. So as I got older and I became more involved with the health of my cats in my home, I started getting involved with the municipal shelter. I learned how to trap, neuter, and return early in the stages of TNR. This was back in the early 2000s. My love just kind of grew from there. I went to school to be a social worker and through my time working in mental health, I've realized that at underprivileged as the people are that I'm serving, so are the homeless animals or the community cats in my local area. So that's kind of where that got started. After I graduated college, I had put my community cat love, not as off to the side, but I guess kind of on the back burner a little bit to focus on my career. And then I started following Kitten Lady on Instagram and it just reignited that flame right there. I got involved. I started getting more and more involved in the rescue community on Instagram, using the hashtags to connect with people who were needing someone to come out and trap a cat or to foster a cat that showed up in their yard and really utilizing that platform to connect with people who needed the assistance. That's wonderful. I mean, we've had a couple of interviews with some organizations that have really taken advantage. Kitten Lady, obviously, is one of them. Will Zweigart at Flatbush Cats has mm-hmm. also really created a very huge presence on Instagram. You know, what is it about Instagram? I mean, I understand the whole the visual. Everybody can take a million pictures of their cats and post that information up there. But why Instagram versus some of the other social media platforms? What is it that really you gravitated towards that? So Instagram seems to be more of an instantaneous kind of social media experience to me. So the connections, they're so far reaching. It's a very, very global network where the Facebooks, the Twitters, they are global, but many of the groups seem to be more localized. Instagram, what I liked about it is that I can connect with somebody who is in California. I can connect with somebody who's in Indonesia or in London and help them connect to other resources. 
So Puffcat, did that start on Instagram or was there something else on Instagram, a different logo or name or just your own personal account? I'm trying to figure out how you went from Instagram to Puffcat. Was there something specific in there? And I think I may be sharing my age right now on the podcast and the fact that I'm a little bit Instagram ignorant. So I apologize if I'm not understanding everything fully. No, no. So I did start originally with just my personal Instagram and that was when I followed Kit and Lady and I started following other fosters and I realized I was I was following more and more that they were kind of taking up my whole feed. So I created a separate account. I named it Chloe and Belle after my cats, just so I could have an Instagram where I'm looking at the cats and then another one where I'm looking at my friends. And then as I started following more, I started getting more involved. I said, this isn't really my cat's Instagram anymore. This is for rescue. This is for foster. And I renamed it to what it is now, Pitter Patter Paws. And that's kind of where Puff was born. I have two separate Instagram accounts now. I have my Pitter Patter Paws and I have Puff Cat Rescue. We utilize both to, to maximize our reach. So tell me, what is Puff Cat Rescue and what do you hope that it will grow into? So Puff Cat Rescue is a volunteer foster-based rescue. It's a grassroots effort. We're building it completely from the ground up. We are 100% donor-funded, no investors, no corporate interests. And originally, the idea was to focus on Massachusetts cats, which is where I'm based. I'm based out of Massachusetts. And we realized as we were growing that the resources are there, but they're very hard for people to connect to, especially for more rural areas, underserved areas. They're having trouble connecting to rescues to help out with the community cats in their locales. So we were still focusing on that direct care initiative with the TNR, with the fostering, but we really want to develop this network, an actual network, maybe like a social media kind of thing where rescues are members and they can go on and any person in the country can go on and see a list of the resources in their area or resources that will come to them and help out even if there's none in their immediate area. So how would this be different than some of the more regional programs? You know, Best Friends has like Best Friends Network and there's right. a Maddie's Pet Forum out there and then there's Facebook page for the Massachusetts Animal Coalition that you mentioned. Is this something that's even more grassroots than sort of what those larger organizations might be offering? Yes, I would be bringing in mostly the smaller rescues. So it's independently run, one or two person just trying to make a difference, really bringing them into it so that they can uh, expand their own reach. Best Friends, ASPCA, those are great organizations and they're doing wonderful work. But we still have a lot of grassroots rescues that need support and that they're not quite getting. So the aim for this is to get them the support that they need so that they can support the people in need. So when you're saying they're not getting the support, is it money? Is it help, volunteer help? Is it items, stuff, you know, food, supplies? Do you have a specific list or that's to be determined by the groups? It's to be determined by the groups. I mean, I would think it's all encompassing. There's rescues that have great donors and they have that cash flow coming in, but they don't necessarily have the volunteers to support the volume of cats in their area. So kind of all encompassing. You know, it sounds like you did the foster care and rescue first. Is that correct? That's correct. And we are still doing that. So it sounds like based on that, you felt like there was something lacking and that's why you're creating this next level. And it's interesting because back in the late 90s, for me, 
when I was answering the phone at the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society all the time with people wanting to surrender their cats or questions about cats, et cetera, you know, so many people outside of our local area wanted spay-neuter assistance for community cats and everybody had to pay, you know, 125 at that point in time per cat with a private vet to, you know, get a colony done. And so, you know, I knew we couldn't set up another adoption center, you know, in all these different communities, but I thought, well, we could certainly do some subsidized free spay neuter for any feral cat that came in in a trap and needed to be spayed or neutered. So we would start, we started our MASH style clinic. So it's basically based on experience. You sort of are understanding what might be missing and what's needed going forward. You know, looking at this, are you creating this network? How is the database being put together? Or is it just a very linear thing? And will it be accessible to everybody? It is going to be designed to be accessible to everybody. The aim is going to be to create a whole new social network where people can get on and engage. Maybe like Facebook, maybe similar to Instagram, where we can make individualized groups per state, lists per state. We really want people to be able to directly contact each other, not just through email or phone calls, but instant messaging, group chatting, so that they can reach as many rescues at the same time as they can. Trying to streamline all of the connections that we try to make as rescues into one platform. Hi, everybody. Early bird tickets are for sale for the 2020 Online Kitten Conference, which will be held on June 12th through 14th, 2020. It will start on Friday night, and then it'll run all day through on Saturday and all day on Sunday. Speakers that the National Kitten Coalition have lined up are Chris Roy, Dr. Cynthia Delaney, Emily Carl, Dr. Aaron Doyle, Heather Svoboda, Michelle Lynch, Arden Moore, Kara Ludke, Dr. Karen Vernow, Dr. Linda Jacobson, Kirsten Jenke, Dr. Marty Greer, Mikkel Delgado, Monica Frendon, Nikki Harris, Simone Kellum, and Taylor Lefebvre are just a sampling of the folks that are going to be presenting during the weekend. So it's a huge lineup. It's a very exciting weekend we have. Go to www.onlinekittenconference.com. Get your tickets today at the early bird price of $50. This is a weekend not to be missed. If you can't be there, though, it's okay because there will be recordings available if you do buy your ticket early. You can get access to those recordings for about 60 days after we release the recordings. Don't miss out. Join us for the Online Kitten Conference. We'll have trivia, fun, lots of excitement. Onlinekittenconference.com. See you then. Technology and Animal Rescue? Yes, there's an app for that. Check out Dubert.com where you can connect with over 1,200 organizations and 27,000 volunteers across the country. Dubert is fully automated so you can create transport requests for the animals that need a ride across town or across the country. The system will automatically notify the volunteers and manage the sign-up process for you. Dubert even has powerful integrations like importing your animal profiles from Shelter Love and Shelter Buddy or automatically pushing your transport requests to your Facebook groups and pages. But that's not all. Dubert has a fundraising module, an online store, and auction house where you can sell your items, and even a mobile app on both Android and Apple for those people on the go. Check out Dubert.com to get signed up for free today and start saving more time while you save more animals. You're also talking about potentially doing some events. Are you thinking in person or virtual, or you haven't thought that far yet? We're designing them to be more in-person because there's going to be some hands-on workshops, you know, really teaching people how to do TNR, how to set up a trap, how to do this, how to do that. I do see the potential for virtual seminars, virtual workshops too, for sure. 
Yeah, no, it sounds very exciting. Have you done any educational workshops up to this point in time? Up to this point, we haven't launched any. We have been working on designing a couple workshops so that when we are ready to launch, we have a couple in our arsenal. <laughs> sounds good. So you currently work in the mental health field and you sort of touched upon this, but I'd like to find out more. Is there something that in your experience in that field has also drawn you to the need for community cat spay-neuter access as well as access to affordable spay-neuter for cats? Anything from that field? I feel like we sometimes have a big gap between social services and animal welfare, and I feel like they should meld closer together. And I'm not sure if you get that impression too. Yeah, I agree 100%. Many of the people that we work with are homeless individuals who still have a soft spot in their heart for a furry friend. They may be homeless with or without their furry friend. There's a lot of crossover between human social services and animal welfare. And do you see a role for those agencies doing something in this network? I mean, that's a really good question. It's one that I hadn't actually thought about. I think there is a place for human social services to get involved in animal welfare because of how much animals impact our lives, everyone's lives. Yeah, yeah it's been interesting. It's been frustrating on sort of the flip side when some organizations have dealt with hoarding situations and they've gone in and they've been able to really assist with regards to the animals, but social services has not been able to assist that person, the person. say the house is condemned and they need to find housing and social services isn't able to to get to the house in as timely a manner as it is, you know, to deal with the cats. And then the staff dealing with the animals is also dealing with that person who's obviously extremely emotional and devastated. You know, these are her, oftentimes their children, you know, and you're going around and you're trapping cats and it can be an emotional scene. And so then the animal welfare folks are also being social services too, until social services can come and help that person. So I think that that probably happens both ways in various scenarios. And so it's it's a challenge. And I think we haven't crossed that bridge yet and bringing those two groups together on a very active basis yet. Mm -hmm. So you're a new group. You just started in January or you got incorporated in July of 2019. What's that process been like? And would you have any advice for, you know, someone who's thinking about starting a new group? Have you already run into any challenges or obstacles? Oh, of course. Yes, definitely run into any obstacles and challenges. The best advice that I could give people is stay organized, go into it knowing that you're probably going to be over your head. If you go into it knowing that you're going to be over your head and you're going to be overwhelmed, you're going to be more inclined to be more organized. And that's really going to help you get through all the application processes. There's a lot of background work that goes into building a rescue that I think maybe people aren't aware of. When we start a rescue, we're doing it because we want to help the cats. And we're not doing it because we want to do paperwork, but the paperwork's there and it needs to be done. So being organized is really going to be your best friend. Yeah. And you can say that to me as I have, I'm here, you know, planning a cat conference and I have about <laughs> 30 stickies on my desk. So I will take that suggestion to heart and try and clean up my sticky notes because that's probably the worst way to do things is by putting things on sticky notes that end up getting into piles and all that kind of stuff. So lesson learned for me today, that's for sure. And it's a big challenge. Do you have a, a board of directors? Have you put a board of directors together yet? Yes, we have a full board of directors. We have all four officers plus a sitting board member. And when I was recruiting board members, I really looked for people who were smarter than me in different areas. So we have somebody who is experienced with nonprofit philanthropy. We have somebody who's experienced with social media and marketing, office management. We have a veterinary assistant. I come with nonprofit management and experience and all of our experience together is what's going to make this a success. It's not just me running the show with a couple of board members behind me saying, yeah, go, that's great. They push back 
on me. They tell me when I have a bad idea. They don't mince words. And I appreciate that so very much. You had actually mentioned in the beginning of the show that you are a listener of the Community Cats podcast and not to plug my own show, but have you found it valuable to tune into the show? Yes, absolutely. We've managed to start developing a relationship with a former guest, Liz Whitaker, by utilizing her software, Politics, for building our databases. We have really taken a lot of the episodes to heart as far as you had Will Zweiger talking about videos. We're now making videos because of the advice that he was giving. So there's a lot of great information that comes out of this show, and it's really helped us build this pretty quickly over that's, the past six months. That's great. Can you share with us what your following is like on Instagram? Yep. It's a lot of fosters, people that I've developed relationships with using the Instagram platform. We have some veterinarians following us as well, a couple wildlife sanctuaries. So we have a pretty broad follower list, I guess you would call it. I mean, and there's plenty of individuals too who are coming onto the page. We have a Facebook page as well. So they're coming onto the page, they're seeing the great posts, they're liking the page, and then they're inviting their friends. So we're seeing a lot of organic growth that way. So I'm going to ask a couple of the standard social media questions. How often do you post and do you post organically or do you use a scheduler? We try to post every day as we're such a small organization. Like I'm going to be real. We don't have the amount of content that the kitten ladies do. So we're also engaging with other rescues, you know, kind of locally, nationally and helping promote their animals that they have for adoption, really helping them market that. And do you use any special tools, you know, for your social media, like any scheduling tools, or do you just go on and post every day? We're just going on and posting every day. We're posting organically. We're commenting organically. This is a very personal rescue, and I want the, the whole experience to be a very personalized one for everyone involved. And tell me the difference between Instagram stories and the feed. The Instagram stories, that's the 24 hours that people can click onto your profile and they see a little whatever picture or video link, however you want to put it up in there. Those are temporary. They do come down. Instagram does have a highlights feature where you can make them a permanent video or post on your page. But the news feed is really where all the permanent posts go. That's where we're putting the adoptions, the updates. All of that stuff is going into the news feed. So we use the stories to kind of, I guess, hook people in to come to our main feed. I wouldn't say that the stories are the main focus when using Instagram. So Elise, if folks are interested in finding out more about PuffCat, how would they do that? We have several outlets where they can see us. We have a website that's puffcatrescue.org. We're also on Instagram at puffcatrescue and on Facebook, puffcatrescue. They can also learn more coming to my personal Instagram, which is at pitterpatter underscore pause. That's great. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I'd really encourage all your listeners to engage with the grassroots organizations in their localities because these are organizations that are out there giving it their all and they don't have the community support necessarily that they need. Whether that's financial, material, volunteer, there's always ways for people to get involved. If you can't donate, then maybe you can volunteer. Even just helping post on their social media so that it's one less thing that somebody has to worry about. There's so many ways that people can help local grassroots organizations like ours. Elise, that's awesome. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show today. And I hope we'll have you on in the future when PuffCat has grown a little bit more. And for our listeners out there, please consider sharing this podcast with others. And if you feel real dynamic, it would be great if you could post a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Reviews are really helpful. So if you do have a few moments and would be willing to post a review, that would be great. And Elise, thanks again. And hopefully we'll be chatting in soon. 
Thank you again so much for having me. It's been a real honor. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 